1: What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the show. Happy Veterans Day. We are here at the Popcorn Talk Network talking movies today. Uh, we are going to talk about a sweet movie that uh, is factually incorrect. It's called Pearl Harbor. We're very excited about it. We're going to see you guys in just one quick second. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's action movie anatomy. Ah! I want to make it very clear. Nobody cleared the, the Bald Eagle sound effect with us in our not intro. Never. I could not love it. more. I think it's <laughs> perfect. It's brilliant. I, I see like it flying through the <laughs> mountains and then it's landing here at the studio. It's and one that's... of the best creative decisions anybody, not us, on this show has ever made. Yeah, it really is. Uh, yeah. What an interesting day i'm so glad you intro the show the way that you did because it needs to be known that we actually forgot that veterans day was on a monday and the and so we're not doing the action guys later today and it was either midway or pearl harbor which now makes so much sense that midway was released yes and there's so many things about this week and doing pearl harbor on the show uh andrew and i had an over under when the show started of how many live viewers we would have i guess 22 uh, so you're winning he guessed I I said 22 is the number at it because the live numbers have been up and you went under. We are, in in fact, under at the moment. There's not a lot of love for this movie outside of one man. Uh, yeah, and that's it's, it's not it's not even Alec Baldwin. No, it's Mr. Richard Eric Jarvie, <laughs> a senior staff member of Action Army. He's going to be calling in today, uh, talking about uh, this movie, as well as an upcoming project that he has been working on that we're excited to sort of uh, talk about yeah, with him a little bit yeah, today. Definitely. Uh, so, yeah, definitely. So, yes, we are here on the Popcorn Talk Network talking about action movies, and we are covering Pearl Harbor. I want to make it clear before we get into any of the intros, before we talk about any of the things about this movie, how this came to pass, because I think it's yes. very important, even before the social shout-outs. It, it's uh, it's kind of like that movie, a Series of Unfortunate Events. <laughs> <laughs> Lemony Snickets. <laughs> Except for... Would you it's pre- me. Would you prefer to be covering Lemony Snickets, A Series of Unfortunate Events? <laughs> I can't remember if I've seen that movie or not. I think it. I've seen part of it on TV and it was kind of enjoyable, but... Probably, <laughs> so so, uh, so so yeah, uh, guys. We, we we look ahead of time by about eight weeks. Usually, uh, we we plot out the next two months, sometimes three months of the shows. Yeah, both shows, and we try to do our best to link the shows. We'll we'll pick a movie for AMA. We'll pick a movie for the Action Guys. We like the topics to link up. We look at the releases. We figured, okay, Roland Emmerich, he's directing the World War II movie. It's called Midway. We liked a right. lot of the actors involved. I mean, Midway's got Woody Harrelson. It's got Ed Screen. I like it's Ed got... Screen. We, we also love Roland Emmerich. But like just big fans. Even if we're not the biggest fans of all of his movies there's just something about the Roland Emmerich feel that we love and he directed the Patriots so yeah. yeah he's directed a lot of movies that are sweet so we just assumed it would be hard to imagine Midway being so far in the middle it figured it would either be terrible or it'd mm-hmm. be awesome um and so we put it on the schedule and uh there was a, a scheduling mishap with Lionsgate and the screenings for the yeah. film they both literally fell during the time of last week's AMA we could not watch the movie we would have missed last week's show to watch the movie so what ended up happening is uh, we saw it over the weekend. And the thing about Midway, uh, and the thing about Midway, and I'll do a First Thoughts review, I've intended to do it on the Action channel, but I didn't yet, is that it's entirely based on real characters and real events. They they, they introduce all the real characters. They, at the end of the film, they have, like, actor's face. And the picture, the classic, yeah. To the real person. And they're like, this is who this person was, and this right. is what happened. He was awarded this award. Like... You know, all of them. Silver are real. Star, yeah, the Silver Star, <laughs> um, except for Nick Jonas. He's not a real person. Or Nick if he Jonas was, he doesn't get immortalized on screen. That way, <laughs> um. was he good? he's in the movie for like four minutes. Yeah, okay. he's, he's good in the four minutes. That's the, that was the, pretty, the biggest problem in the movie. It's an hour and 50 and they try to have like 13 leads. Right. And everyone needs to have their seven to, to 10 minutes. Yes. All of a sudden you're out of time. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, anyway, the point is, you know, the first thing is we, we already said it, but like we salute our veterans here. Uh, happy Veterans Day. Yes, That's far more important than Midway the movie. And it's far more important than Pearl Harbor the movie. It's, it's an actual real thing of real people that did serve our country, did amazing things. And, Pearl Harbor, the movie is not about that. Pearl Harbor is about the real event. And there are things in Pearl Harbor that happened in real life. We don't know how it dramatized some of those things are in the movie. But, you know, unless I'm mistaken, I don't think Danny and Ray are real people. No, I mean, I'm pretty sure Pearl Harbor is just a complete fictionalization of the event and like just using parts of it that we know are true. Whereas like Midway is based off real people. And it feels like no matter what was going to happen today, we were going to be poking fun at one of the movies we we're going to be covering, whether it was Midway yes. or Pearl Harbor. And it just felt much more appropriate to poke fun at Josh Hartnett and Ben Affleck as yeah. a heartthrob and Alec Baldwin doing his Alec Baldwin. <laughs> Alec Baldwin, thing, son. And just Michael Bay. Then, than the other options. So here we are. So here we are. <laughs> so we are, we are going to be talking about Pearl Harbor today. Uh, Midway was enjoyable enough. If you like that sort of movie, but, Uh, didn't feel like it was far enough in either direction to didn't want to take a dump on it didn't want to praise it greatly so we're just going to say you know we salute our veterans we're going to talk about pearl harbor today yes this is action movie anatomy here on the popcorn talk network the online broadcast network dedicated to talking movies all things movie related and pop culture by the bucketful. my name is ben bateman that's andrew guy if you want to follow along the conversation say what's up in the live chat leave your thoughts uh if you want to follow along with anything that we are doing follow the popcorn talk subscribe like comment Go check our stuff out. Action Industries. We're Action Industries everywhere. On Instagram, YouTube.com slash Action Industries. Team Action Show on Twitter, because it's the oldest account of all. Yeah, it's the original. And also Team Action on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Team Action. Speaking of Patreon, we got two big shout-outs. Oof. One to Andrew Swift and Philip Gustafson. As always, we salute you. Thank you so much for your patronage. Thank you so much for checking out Patreon.com slash Team Action. We'll be talking a little bit more about our Action face-off that we had this last weekend. We also got another one coming up this weekend, but we've got a few things that we're going to be covering on the show today. Yes, 100%. So uh, coming up on the show today, we are going to be talking about overly siege, underly siege, properly siege. Mm. Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin. Um, we're going to be talking about that because I think Alec Baldwin's had a really interesting career, and I think it's worth talking about. He's he's uh, a unique career, I think, is the, most, is the best way to say it. Incredibly unique, yeah. So I think he'll be interesting to talk about. Uh, we're both kind of curious about Josh Hartnett's career and exactly what happened. We were having an off-camera conversation, so we're going to be asking a question to you guys will josh hartnett have an a-list comeback um do you think it'll happen I, we're gonna try to answer the question ourselves as well as of all the other games you guys like thesis statement fist pump moment favorite line all those things oh i can't wait to hear your favorite line oh i got it i actually <laughs> i think i actually have a couple good ones written down i got a good one i got a good one too um so uh yes we cover action movies on this show rule number one of these shows m- rules are the hero always plays by their own rules who's the hero of this movie the courage of America. <sighs> the courage of America. I, I guess the hero is B- Ben. I think it's just America. I think. Okay. All right. I don't yep. think you could make an argument that it's either of those guys. They're fake characters. They're it's... fake characters, and they also like to say that the story of Pearl Harbor's heroes are fake people is like <laughs> this is like <laughs> again that's like why we gotta we gotta just just say Pearl Harbor is this movie. It's not. We can't be talking about the event because if we have to pick a hero in this movie, it really does feel like the hero. Is Ben right? You follow him the most. He's the original love story. He's the one that you think dies. Which also, back when this movie came out, did you think that Ben died? Because I didn't, and I wasn't even like a, a hardcore movie fanatic. just knew. I just knew. I was like, "There's no way that guy died yet." And it's not like Ryan Reynolds in Life he on like, the Cover. He like shoots the through the. He like shoots through the, the roof of his plane. You're like, "There's no way." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's just no way he's gonna die. So. Uh, I thought that was a, a very interesting thing, yeah. but yeah, so then, and then obviously how the movie ends, you're with Ben, so. Yeah, rule number two, the hero and the villain are always the smartest people, beings, things, dinosaurs in the room. I mean, I think, uh, in this movie, actually, if you're saying America and Japan are the hero and the villain, maybe. Sure, okay. I, I think that there is some truth to the way they, because America gets to have the sort of last laugh in, in some ways. Whereas Japan, like, caught us off guard. Yeah, they and- are. And they, end. uh, is it, um. General Yamamoto. I wish I remembered his name because I just saw him fictionalized in two movies back to back. What um, was the other one? Uh, oh, Midway. Anyway. <laughs> oh yeah, and, yeah. And and he looks they they cast actors that like play him similarly mm-hmm. and he has similar lines. I feel all we've done is awaken a sleeping giant. He says that in both movies. It must be a real quote. Yeah. Um and uh and the way he has the line in Pearl Harbor, a, a, what is it? A, a truly great general or a truly great commander would find a way to not fight a war. Yeah, something, something. like that. So there is the like idea that Japan, they actually don't make Japan seem in the way that Michael Bay sometimes does with... Them. Yeah, he didn't really villainize him that much. No, he chose their side of it, which, yeah. he, which I think is actually smarter by him than I'm used to. I, yeah, I actually agree with that. I think I, I kind of liked... I was I was expecting them to be, like, not quite wearing the rice paddy hats, yeah, but in, yeah. like, being really, really ridiculously over-the-top racist, as Michael yeah. Bay usually does. Um, I actually thought he really painted them well. Yeah. It, it really did. And I think you see the side of it, you see what they're going through, you see why they're going to do it. Um, yeah, they say they cut off our oil supply. Yep. You know, so... Uh, Rule number three, the movie is driven by police, military, political, or mercenary figure. That fits the rules. They're in the military. And rule number four, the movie contains a minimum of one explosion. Uh, I think Michael Bay blew up a small country to make this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Really. There are so many explosions in this movie, and that's the one thing that you really have to give the credit to Michael Bay is that he knows how to make an action scene pop 20 really years does. 20 years later i think a lot of that stuff has held up really well which yeah. uh which is impressive so we're going to talk about all of that um i think we just jump straight uh, into oh, we're at 28 look at that wow wham whammy whammy noon whammy th- <laughs> keep using that joke <laughs> i'm going to use it <laughs> first forever so you'll I'm, have to explain I it. never will <laughs> <laughs> uh so uh we are going to get into the very first piece of this show at its thesis statements your biggest boldest thought about the movie if this movie ever comes up this is what you say about it this is the thing you say This is what Pearl Harbor is about. This is why the movie Pearl Harbor is good or bad or should be the greatest, the first, the only, the last. We don't like to just be like, you know, this is my favorite Josh Hartnett movie from 2000 earlies Uh, or 2000 earlies. (laughs) Are you having That guest is not coming back. (laughs) Uh, So I'm going to jump in first and say mine because I I thought this while I was watching. By the way, Ryan Nelson's up in the booth. Did we turn on the AC or not? AC is coming uh, on immediately. Actually, if you could turn the heat on, uh, that would be great. It's funny how the tables have turned, Ben. It's really funny how the tables have turned. My playoff beard is uh, it's hot. It keeps my face warm. It's warm. Oh, speaking of playoff beard, first of all, you and I did very bad in fantasy football this week. Yeah, we're bad. in the same league, but you're obviously in a good position. Uh, I was in third. You were in first. You know I think I'm in, You know who's pleased about that? I'm sure Jeff Burns is. Oh, no. Oh, Kevin Smith's—he's going to be harassing oh, us. Oh, I know he beat both of us. He's going to be he's, harassing he's, us to be a super chat for the next like three months. His record is garbage, but he's beaten both of us. and We're in the top he's three. So pleased. He's so himself. pleased. But what I was going to say is the Niners and the Seahawks play each other tonight. tonight that's a big, it's a big game. I've already told you this, but I'm supposed to be in Charlie's Angels at seven. The game starts at five thirty. mean that you're going to be like that dad with the phone in his pocket and, like, the earbuds on watching the game and his daughter's recital? I, maybe I'll go check in for the screening and go to the bathroom. <laughs> it's like, where did he go? <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Your thesis statement. My thesis statement about this film is Alec Baldwin's the best part of the movie Pearl Harbor. It's not even that he's necessarily good. It's not even necessarily that... Uh, It's that Alec Baldwin did this one thing in his career really well. He was extremely good at doing this one thing. You can't out-act me, boy. Right. They make fun of him, hilariously enough, in Team America. And it's like, it's something about the tone of his voice. It's something about, something about the way that when he talks, his voice kind of drops to this register. And it's just something about, there's like the, it's like... He's very, very, very masculine in this like smooth kind of almost like he's spoofing being masculine way. Well, it's weird because it's like the best things about Alec Baldwin's career is in the first half is how seriously he took himself. Yeah. And in the second half, it's how well he can make fun of himself. Right. And this feels like the transition moment where he's like just tailing out of being a leading man. Right. So you have like movies like Miami Blues and you have movies like uh uh, Hunter, hunt for an october mm, and you're like, right 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 a lot of the 80s stuff and the 90s stuff you know Glenn Gary obviously is his probably most iconic performance and then you get into this period where he's you can see he's starting to put on a couple pounds yeah he's not quite he's not the, quite the leading man chiseled like sex icon that he used to be right and then you know the bass singer stuff happens his career tailspins he comes back in the back half in this other way and i just there's something about alec baldwin in the moments when he's like delivering his speeches that he just feels like he's he's like jerry b for me in this movie that's right. what he feels like watching for me he's like ultimately enjoyable in a way that like ben affleck cannot pull off he doesn't he doesn't have he doesn't have that the it that, that alec baldwin has yeah josh hart doesn't have the it like honestly watching midway the same exact character that, he, that is played by Aaron eckhart doolittle is played in midway by Aaron. Eckhart. or you mean alec baldwin is Aaron eckhart yeah yeah he, he's the real person who uh-huh. read the who read the who <clears throat> led the raid um like he's good eckhart's good He's just not Alec Baldwin. He's taking it more seriously. He's like a, right. he's a more real performance. Even, <laughs> and even though Alec Baldwin is taking himself incredibly seriously, he's taking himself so seriously it seems silly. <laughs> this is like the Michael Bay-Eyes version of what a war hero, a real historical war hero actually is. Because Pearl Harbor sucked. <laughs> yeah. And I miss you. He's yeah. got good speeches. He just has all these, he's given all these sweet lines. He's always lines. squinting so yeah. much. He's given all these sweet lines. Like There's that whole speech he has at the end where he's like, well, I can't tell you what to do. But I'll tell you what I would do, you know. And he's like, he's like, I'm. I wasn't made to be captured. I was made to be captioned. Um, he just uh, Ryan. How do you feel about Alec Baldwin? Have you had a Have you had a love affair with his career at all, or no? I think he has a very fascinating career in that he hasn't been really stuck in the same thing at any particular time. Like the past five or six years, he's been doing a lot of comedy, especially yeah. uh, with SNL, just having a complete uh, revival to his entire career. I'm, I'm an Alec Baldwin fan. Uh, like you said, Glenn, Gary Glenn Ross, that is the, the iconic moment where you're like, wow, this guy can yeah. take command of a scene. Mm-hmm. But he can also, I think, laugh at himself. And big, I think that that's really refreshing. But, I mean, even Drew and I, you know, we didn't review it because we <laughs> have a tendency to not post reviews for movies we don't like. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, but we watched Motherless Brooklyn, the new Ed, Ed Norton movie. A and he's weeks like ago. the bad guy, right? He's kind of the best part of the movie, though. Yeah. he's kind of He's kind of got all the best scenes. And, like... Even now, god that movie was so forgettable. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> crazy about that. We movie were was. sober when we watched that. Fully sober. And I remember <laughs> almost zero about it. Yeah. You wow. weren't even playing Clash Royale. You were I, literally wasn't, in I was <laughs> sitting there <laughs> locked in and I could not tell you almost anything about that. Okay, so your thesis is that Baldwin is the best part of all the movie. He's just the uh, the only other argument would be that the, the big explosive war scenes, but I think the problem with that is that as time goes on, as good as those things feel now, yeah. And they've aged very well 20 years later. Mm-hmm. They're a little diminished now compared to some of the stuff we see. In 20 more years, I think he'll still be the best part, and I think the war stuff will get even a little worse. I pose two counters to you. All right. First one is Kate Beckinsale. She's great. Yeah. Big fan. But you think that he's still better? Yeah. I fell in love with her in this movie. Me I remember too. watching this when I was like, what, what how old were you, Like 13? We're, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what does it come out? 2000 2001? 2001. I think yeah. 2001. Uh, and um, the other is what about the score from Hans Zimmer? Yeah. It's, it's actually really sweet. Great. I was like wh- wait I was whistling it all morning today. Yeah, it's 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 yeah. really badass. And that's kinda of, you know, someone in the chat said like that's that's what happens in these in these movies at the time, is you would have these crazy, ridiculous blockbuster action movies with sick scores. Yeah, it's like you know da, 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 is perfect. Da, da, da. It's just that driving force. Okay, so now that you got your thesis out of the way oh, and it's it's nice and positive, I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna put mine out there. This is the greatest... E- this is a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for that. <laughs> this is the greatest example of what a, oh, a the sound decent <laughs> Hollywood director... I'm going to put quotes up because Michael Bay is a director in quotes. Can do with $140 million <laughs> yeah. based off of a real event and tell this story. It's the greatest show of contrast between a truly great director in Steven Spielberg and what he did with D-Day and Saving Private Ryan two years before with half as much money. So there has never been a greater contrast in lack of budget and lack of storytelling ever in something that actually happened in a war scenario than Michael Bay in 2001 directing Pearl Harbor and Steven Spielberg directing Saving Private Ryan in 99. 98. 98. Uh, So are you saying... (laughs) that Saving Private Ryan's a better film than Pearl Harbor. <laughs> Is that what you're trying to tell me? It's just it's just crazy. Like how many times do you tear up when you watch Saving Private Ryan? Don't say it. Don't yeah. say Pearl Harbor. <laughs> how uh, many like how many amazing moments and stories in there? How many incredible battle scenes that still hold up are in that movie? How many great moments of levity and storytelling are in that? And then you look at Pearl Harbor. It's longer. Twice as much money. It, it's just shocking. It is astounding. We got a super chat in here. uh Super chat from Lucas Shashek, best from the world. All right, I have to run to the gym, but I'll watch the rest of this later. I love watching guys suffer through talking about this movie, Lucas. Thank you, Popcorn Talk, the studio. uh Who these super chats go to? Thank you. uh We appreciate that, and I enjoy that also. Yeah, uh, because it is wonderful to watch that, through. It, it's 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 funny. I'm having a good time. It's uh, funny for me. Um. Yeah. I, I think so. I, I will say, like, something I've really tried to focus on with movie reviews since we started doing it is putting, like, movies in boxes, right? Yeah. We we talked about this off camera, but uh, we watched Ford Ferrari, and it's, like, probably both of our, like, top three of the year, top five. It's very good. It's great. It it might honestly just be my favorite movie the more I've thought about it. I really loved it. And it's a PG-13 racing movie. It's great on all levels. Yep. But it's not asking you to do very much compared to like a lot of other movies that that get released around Oscar time each year. You look at a movie like Moonlight, totally, totally different movie, right? It's, it's yeah, it's, it speaks on a, a so many different layers of of social issues and and actually storytelling and and, and it's representative mm-hmm. of the kind of thing that mainstream films that win Best Picture or even get nominated really don't speak on. Like it has it has leads that are not just white men. Like there are so many things about it, right? Yeah. So again, you you contrast those things, but it's like. I'm okay being somebody who enjoys Ford Ferrari. It doesn't have to be the movie I like every time. So by the same contrast, it's like I can acknowledge all the flaws that go along with Pearl Harbor. This movie is three hours and four minutes and there is enough romance in this movie to literally make a 90 minute romantic Movie like a romance with zero war, <laughs> and, with zero conflict, yes. with zero killing or planes or explosions. Michael Bay could have cut off 90 minutes of this movie and had enough movie to just be a romance, or could have just done it in two movies. You could have just had a two movie thing where one's the wrong that sets up the love, and then the second movie is the battle, and then you get the payoff of what happens. But, like, also, the other thesis I had is it's the worst r- romance story ever told. <laughs> Guy A falls in love with girl, woos her, gives us an hour and a half of love. He dies. Tell, his me, tell me, tell me more. Friend, his best friend <laughs> hooks up with his lady when he's dead. It's not been, even it's been years. three months. Hey, yeah, it's been months, yeah. not years, months. Yeah. It's been well, yeah. Is that what her friend says? It's been three months. It's been three months. He's <laughs> like yeah, he died. <laughs> Jesus Christ! You're you have f- to move on. <laughs> <laughs> it's the forties. You're gonna die in, in ten years, um, and then. Best friend, said best friend since childhood, shacks up with a the lady. Then he comes back from the dead. Then they get in a fight. Then he dies. And then you raise his kid. Like, you're wh- forgetting, you can't die, Rafe. You're going to be a daddy. You're going to be a daddy. You can't die. And you're dead. And <laughs> you're dead. What an idiot. I get my girl back. Don't worry, Danny. I'll name her after you. Yeah, it was a, it was a Japanese guy that shot him. <laughs> Positive. Um, so. um yeah somebody in here says Jim W Jim W I had the two VHS special edition collection of this movie I had the four disc DVD collection of this movie Um, I love this movie so it's a good thesis it's a great thesis I appreciate that um i love we, we were just talking about baldwin i'll save it i'll save it because we'll, we'll get to it when we talk about his career a little bit more so um those are our thesis statements guys share yours in the chat here you see he's laughing i knew you'd have a good time oh god this movie i knew we'd have a good time um big shout out on here to uh to members of the action army i went uh i went and guested on uh, Sen live for the first hour today oh yeah um and while i was on for the first hour today uh christian harloff realized that his computer he was running the show off of uh, is dead <laughs> it died so he's going to have to go buy a new one today to run oh, wow. the show off of. Uh, and call to action. Uh, the team donated a significant donation to help get the show running. Wow. So, and he shouted him shouted him out. The action team is always strong. You guys are absolutely the best in the whole world. So big shout to action. We love you guys. Thank you for being so generous. You guys really are the most amazing people in the world. And I didn't even tell you, but uh, Jay Oliveira, Joaquin Oliveira, mm. he's, uh, he's got something in the mail for us. Really? He's sending him sending to the studio here. I don't know oh, what it is, but cool. it's just you guys are the absolute best. So um let's go let's move on let's move on to another you know one of the best parts of the show and especially for this movie yeah it, it's, it's pretty perfect this is good fist bump moment yeah i got so many yeah, i have really? so many okay okay yeah, fist bump moment. this is the moment something happens in the movie you look around you're kind of like are you seeing this right now i'm just so excited i'm gonna actually right now 220 episodes into the show i'm going to rebrand the way that i explain fist bump moment oh my god All right, let's do it. Uh, I have one thing to add. We sometimes will allude to this, but this is literally, this is what fist pump moment is. Fist pump moment is the moment when something happens when I'm watching this movie without Drew, when I feel the need to pause it and call him or text him about the movie. Yeah. It happens one in two one in three movies Mm -hmm. but that is the greatest distinction now of what fist pump moment is because it is that's how i feel about it. i paused this movie you're like he has to know how much i like this moment when he watches it It, because how much it meant to me it's because there's no one else who has the sense of humor about this stuff as similar to mine as drew and i think vice versa having watched literally thousands of hours of movies together and spent thousands of hours talking about movies together It's just hard to imagine anybody else would think shit that I think is as funny as much as he would think shit is funny. Yeah. That's what Fist Point Moment is for me. Those are some smooth aces. Oh, Don't steal my lines. I went back and watched it. I went back and watched it just for you. It's so ridiculous. It's so dumb. He says it and you're like, somebody actually... Agreed that that should be left in the film. That was <laughs> also they almost just died. It's so bad. It's just Top Gun. I thought it was hilarious too because they were like two ninety thousand dollar war machines. No, he says he's forty thousand. A forty five thousand dollar airplane. I'm like, holy shit, my car cost that much. <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so that's, that's do you want to go first with your fist pump moment? Cause I have, I have one Well, I'm going to save mine Cause I think we got to let our special guest who's on the line right now. Oh, he's first here. With his. Oh, we got my a very God. special guest. We owe a salute to Richard Eric Jarvie from Estonia. One of the OG action army members, senior staff member, Legend. host of class action. Jarvie, how you doing?
0: You know, Jack, we may lose this battle, but we're going to win this war. <laughs> you know how I know? Um. Which is still rare. At times like these, you see them stepping forward. There's nothing stronger than the heart of a volunteer, Jack. Give me another fish sandwich. (laughs) What's up, guys?
1: Yes, the fish sandwich. Okay, I remember that line happening, and I thought it was so sweet. And then so dumb because he says the fish sandwich thing. No, <laughs> I was like, that doesn't make does make any sense. What is he talking about? But it's because like, of those guys. There's right, 37 man? people watching. I know, I know. Oh, I, I don't know. So, uh, Jarvie, as you can tell, we're uh, uh, you know a bit split at the table here about how we enjoy the movie. Ben obviously is more on your side. I am obviously more on the side of a logical human being. So, talk to us a little bit about your uh, about your favorite movie here, man. Oh my god!
0: I got. I think I got to start off with my with my thesis, and I got to say this is the most cinematic movie ever made. Wow! And that that's just because of how Michael Bay shoots an action movie. It's,
1: Coming in hot.
0: Every shot is like <laughs> it's got motion in it. It's got like the best. It's almost like overlit. The the special effects you can tell there's a lot of practical effects in this. You can tell where the CGI, but there's a lot of practical effects. And you said it before, the effects hold up amazingly
1: yeah he does do a lot of stuff in here that's stuff that we're used to seeing obviously in all his movies from this time period but like stuff that i remember from the trailer that actually still worked for me like when the planes are flying over the kids that are that are like playing baseball and yeah stuff, they're really yeah. low flying planes looks real that stuff's really cool yeah it i mean looks... that's that's just really good and, and a lot of the stuff he also obviously jarvie leans into the stuff like the slow-mo guys the little guys walking on the runway with the airplanes over them that's just so straight up slow-mo that just is armageddon actually that's like, from armageddon
0: <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> but uh i agree there a lot of this movie is really beautiful we talked about the bomb flying from overhead yeah the bomb drop like when you're When you go up into the Japanese bomber, and it follows the bomb all the way down into the ship, and it goes into the cook, like, right next to the cook. Like, that is awesome. I really like that. And, yeah, the explosions are just massive. And Michael Bay is always, almost comically, is overlit every scene that he's ever shot. But the thing is, is that in high-budget, crazy-ass action movies, especially when you start throwing robots in, over-lighting it looks awesome. Yeah, right. It really, really does. Uh, so you really think this is the most cinematic movie of all time? I mean, we obviously know that's incorrect, Jarvie. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love the fact that, like, okay, I got I to ask this. How in hell, Ben, did you get Drew to sign off on this? Well, I, I got to
1: know. It's I, Honestly, it was a little bit, if you watched the beginning of the show, you heard sort of the confluence of events. We felt it was extraordinarily disrespectful to, to make fun of Midway. We didn't think that that movie was good enough to uh, do on the show. And because of the nature of the way the screenings worked out, we would just sort of do a lukewarm... I think we would just do a middle-of-the-road review. And, and, yeah. and you guys, some of you guys remember from watching older episodes, there have been middle-of-the-road movies we've covered. Like, The First Mechanic's a great example, where we like it enough. We, just, we don't dislike it enough or like it enough to really want to talk about it for an hour. And those episodes tend to be less entertaining. They're harder to get through. And I, I, it was the option. I got the option. It was either I could go watch Midway and decide that we do it on the show, or just cover Pearl Harbor. So I picked my own poison. I did this to myself. I was like, no, 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 we'll just do Pearl Harbor. We'll have fun. Jeremy, I'm going to be honest. I (sighs) came home from Midway. I turned on the first hour of Pearl Harbor. I saw the Smooth Aces line, and I was sold. I was sold. (laughs) I was exactly the same. (laughs) Exactly the same. The
0: first thing I I did when I got home after Midway, I put on Pearl Harbor.
1: Oh, God. Jeremy, what was the first time uh, when you saw this movie? Do you remember the first time you saw it?
0: uh yes this is this is actually one of the reasons why I love it so much as well it was in it was in two thousand and three when it came out. I went to see this with my father at like a like an old school cinema. I remember exactly the way we both were mesmerized by this movie we we didn't We didn't consider this a historically accurate movie. I still don't yeah. I get a lot of shit from people <laughs> for loving this movie. I don't care I just, I just this this is this is not even a guilty pleasure movie for me this is just something i I love shamelessly. Well, yeah that's really uh, oh, sorry go ahead all uh, right that's that's
1: fine i was gonna say it's really funny because ryan was also telling us that he went and saw this movie with his dad and his dad thought it was absolutely fucking insane he's like oh i saw the uss arizona when i was in hawaii and like all this stuff and it's it is crazy when you have that picture painted for you by your father figure or like even just going with your dad and watching this movie and if he thinks it's cool you think it's cool yeah whereas like my mom didn't. My mom liked the first half of this movie, right? I don't remember. Like, like I try to go back to my memory of being thirteen and thinking about the kind of movies I decided to go see and who I saw them with. Like, I saw movies with my dad for sure. I don't think this was one we saw together. But this movie looked sweet enough that I knew I needed to see it in theaters for some reason. Yeah. I definitely saw this in theaters. I, think, I don't think I did. I can't remember. Yeah. So, uh, I, Jarvey, I disagree with you a little. I think it's a, it is more of a guilty pleasure for me, but I, I do really enjoy it. So, uh, we want to make sure we cover everything on the show. So, Jarvey, we got to know. What is your fist pump moment?
0: Okay, except for Alec Baldwin, it's, um, it's one of the moments where, okay, the bombing of Pearl Harbor is happening, and Rafe and Danny have gotten their planes off the, off the runway, and they, they've pretty much shaken off like, the, uh, the Japanese planes, and they come out of the smoke, and they go into the fight, like, chasing the Japanese, like, going to shoot them down, and this patriotic you know, Hans Zimmer score is one of the biggest reasons why I love this movie as well. So as they go through the cloud, a patriotic like theme comes on and, you know, like it's on. They're going <laughs> after them. It's on.
1: Shameless. I love it so much. The uh, music,
0: it's... the music is the music is it's one of the best scores it is. that hans zimmer has done I, and i seriously
1: believe that it's if an incredible score michael bay can hear you talk about this movie he'd be like that's exactly what i was going for <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> the picture i was trying to paint yeah get this <laughs> get this man a, medal. Like, this. a man of metal. like a medal yeah uh okay all right so that's your fist pub. uh what's your favorite line jarvie okay my favorite line's kind of funny because i've
0: i've said this so many times when i'm in front of a mirror and when it's, it's one of the one of the side characters and he Those goes like man am I going fall back here ooh you are one good-looking son of a bitch don't you ever die <laughs>
1: That's good. That's <laughs> It's a good. It's so line. ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, this, it, is, it is a pretty ridiculous movie. So, Jarvie, we're going to get back to the show. Uh, Richard Eric Jarvie has a show coming up. We're going to be premiering the pilot episode here pretty soon. Uh, it's called Class Action. It's a show. It's, a, it's, like a, it's similarly related to the action brand. He yeah. and Paul DiNuzio, you guys all know. Richard and Paul are going to be doing a weekly show on Action Industries. We're trying out the format right now. So stay tuned. Look out for that on YouTube.com slash Action Industries. Subscribe now if you haven't already. And, uh, Jarvie, thank you so much for calling and we sir salute you as always brother thank you so much
0: thank you thank you for doing this movie and big shout out to paul D'Nuzio, my action brother thank you guys have fun enjoy the rest of this review thank you, you
1: brother. take care all right so fist bump moment so i, I uh. gotta, so, <laughs> i'm jacked up <laughs> uh I, so there's stuff in this movie that i think is super sweet i think for me watching it again i definitely had the same fist bump i hoped i was gonna have okay and it's cuba gooding jr Okay, and it's see I and it's a little bit melodramatic when he does the moment, but I still really liked it when he salutes the dead captain. No, it's it's so he's like it's great because they they set it up with not very many scenes. He's he's in the boxing scene, which is like, yeah, eh, whatever. You could have honestly like you honestly a good director would have had like a slow-mo... You you would have, like, pulled in on a ship and you would have seen, like, scenes from the boat and you would have had him boxing slow-mo. Like, in just a quick pass-by. And you probably wouldn't even acknowledge what was happening. Uh -uh. And then he would have had a conversation with the captain later when he would have established what he was doing. Exactly. And the captain then would have told him he was proud of him. And that would have actually been a better use because the scene of him boxing is basically useless. It's just... It just is like she's like look at this guy get his ass kicked for a while, but he's a he's a movie star, so he's gonna win. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's just that stuff that movies do. That's just like I, this is not necessary, but um, but nonetheless, Cuba. He, he like he's like talking to the captain, and because after he talks to Beckinsale, and she's like, you know, you, your your mom wouldn't let you do the fire guns or whatever. And he's like, no, but I wanted to serve. And then he's talking to the captain, and he's like, the captain's like, I hear it's not luck, son. Ship's proud of you, and it shows Cuba's reaction. Yeah, and you're like for whatever reason I just it actually feels like something it's like one of those moments yeah there's not many of them so no there's not a lot of moments like that in this <clears> movie <throat> it's more significant than anything that happens with Rafe and Danny basically they're they're to me basically nothing characters in this movie like I don't really enjoy anything they do no that's the other thing it's like they're, they're, they're just not enjoyable leads no they're like they're fine but like basically everything that they're in is useless yeah. even the, even them fighting in planes is fine it's fine it's better but also when also, I have like, like hard it like does this a lot yeah it's it's honestly better when Affleck's fighting in England than yeah. when he's home. Uh-huh. Um but but like whatever. So so Cuba then has this big moment when the bomb goes off in the ship and shit, all hell's breaking loose. Because this is the most intense scene in the movie. People are dying left and right. Mm-hmm. And he like Sees the captain after the explosion goes up, and the captain's doing the thing where, like, you realize, okay, he's gonna be dead in like 40 seconds, like, he's bleeding out. Yeah, the captain's like, Get my AXO make sure these got you. And, and, And Cuba, like, grabs him, he's like, He's like, Everywhere is exactly where they need to be, Captain. You trained us well, you trained us well. And it's like, it's, it's, it's pretty overacted in, yeah. in the sense like Bay was like, do it, do it bigger, son. Bigger, go bigger. But like, I still love it. I still teared me up a little bit when he did it. I still was totally in. Uh, and I was like, this is like exactly the combination of cheese and like payoff that this movie does for me. All I could think of that entire scene was Ben Still and Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> That's all I could think of. Like <laughs> holding his lips and like crying all over <laughs> I mean it is it is like P- Tropic Thunder does such a good job of making fun of movies like this but Street like he trained as well I love that scene yeah, and, then he, and yeah. then he goes fires the gun yeah the gun that, that, that is, was like epic as a kid that was awesome he is just every scene he's in is great his scene with Beckinsale is great and then when he walks in the funeral, I was like, hey, Captain. Like, I was saying this to you. I was like, basically, most of what Cuba Gooding Jr. does succeeds with him not even acting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank yes. you, Ryan. Thank you so much. <laughs> most of what Cuba does in this movie that succeeds doesn't even require him acting. It requires him literally standing, saluting, or, like, looking. Yep. Yep. It, and they're just like inserts. Just shots. Yeah. yeah Michael Bay exactly was probably inserts. just like, yeah. Yeah, we need to pick up, you know, Cuba looking over here. Shoot it again. <laughs> Do it again. Uh-oh. Bigger. Light it. Light it more. Cuba, <laughs> more lights. Look, Cuba, look harder. Like, <laughs> like, that's like most of what he does. In fact, the scene that he's given the most to work with, mm-hmm. he kind of overacts it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I still fucking loved it. It was so sweet. Oscar I, winner. Yeah. Exactly. Oscar winner, Cuba getting Jr. And this is only a mere few years after he won his Oscar. I was saying to you. I know. That's what's so weird about it is it almost feels like, I mean, you know that it couldn't be because the movie's too big and it's Bay and all that so it doesn't it's not like one that they filmed and then shelved yeah obviously because a 140 million dollar movie you don't do that with movies that big but it did feel like his role was surprisingly small for being the most successful actor in the movie so here's awards wise here's the question for you this is because this is fucking crazy right huh. we, we know Cuba now with the OJ story has had a little bit of a comeback yeah and then we also know that he's had a lot of like very publicized issues yes that are not good and gross he's a problem with drinking yeah and also groping women while he's drinking yeah yeah um and if you go back to his prime like his when he was like an actor not getting headlines for that other stuff Uh uh-huh what are the three best things cuba gooding jr did in his fucking prime don't make fun of radio go to what are the ones that are like the actual roles there's three movies that come to mind for me that's it. Hey, coach. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right. So obviously you got to go with Jerry. Jerry's number one. Got to go. Jerry <laughs> men of honor. Anybody with Robert De Niro? Okay. That's fair. It doesn't... Um, no, not that. <laughs> uh, I guess as good as it gets. That's number two. Yeah. And then the third one is it's gonna it's gonna hit me what is it this oh this yeah okay that feels like they're the three i was i was honestly thinking i was like okay so you got you got men of honor you can throw in there other than this you got like you can throw in like instinct i remember he's in with like anthony hopkins he's in like he's in a few movies around that time that i think you know he was getting roles but he's definitely memorable and as good as he gets that's a best picture nominee it's like a he's a significant role he's good in he plays like a real character he's obviously great in jerry and this was a really big movie everyone saw this movie and he has a he has a memorable part in this movie. He's like doesn't have a lot of screen time. Yeah, I mean, no, it does. I mean, they they definitely highlight him quite a bit in the trailer and like it, when you, people talk about this movie. That's that is definitely he's definitely it. So for me, mine's kind of like I'm kind of it's a guilty fist pump for yeah. me because. It's the total left-right playing chicken thing, but it's when they're actually out on the battlefield. <laughs> they do it anyway? And they do it anyway. <laughs> they do it again. But then the Japanese ships, they all run into each other. Like, the planes. And it actually looks kind of awesome. Yeah. Like, all four of them collide and they're, like, they're deep in the shit. It's they almost like Michael Bay do. made, like, a snuff film with real planes and people. <laughs> yeah. He's just like, "All right, guys, just, just run these planes them. into each other. Just kill them. Real pilots. <laughs> it's okay. There was the one moment when, like, the Arizona's overflowing, and it's like they they have like a cut of a dude where like the wall breaks in and like it throws him across the room and he's yeah. just covered in water. I'm like, did they just kill that stunt guy? Yeah, <laughs> like, that guy, how did he get out of there? <laughs> yeah, I mean the epic quality of the of the of the attack of Pearl Harbor is wild. It's it's really good. It's, uh, it's... What dreams may come? That's another big one. Okay, that was yeah. another one I remember that. Um, so yeah, those so are our fist bump those are our Fist bump moments. So on. I think we'll get into the next bit of the show here. Next bit of the show, we're going to talk uh we are going to talk star profiles we're gonna play a few games here i think um we will we will get into star profiles we can talk quickly ben affleck yeah three movies that he had done before this balance reindeer games boiler room i think this this period of ben affleck's career is remembered very distinctly for one reason and it's that he had done goodwill hunting in 1997 and after goodwill hunting there's a series of movies that come out including armageddon a couple mm-hmm. years before this that are trying to make ben affleck into a big time a-list movie star and this is the peak of that moment. This is the peak of, like, young, sexy heartthrob. He looks really young in this movie. He does. He looks really good in this. He's, like, in great shape. He's doing the whole, like, pretty boy with an attitude, but trying to do the comedy thing, like, early on. You know, it's, it's all... I mean, this movie, if... Let's say he pulls, like, an Oscar-worthy performance. This movie showcases so much. Like, the range from the beginning to the end of what you could do as one actor in this movie, it's very appealing. I mean, I said to Alex Kessler, who's a return guest of the show, uh-huh. about this movie, the thing about the romance... I was like, this movie is like 90 minutes romance. He was like, it was supposed to be Titanic. That's what he was going for. Mm. He wanted this movie to be that. But you so, don't give a shit about anyone. No, but that, but Titanic is a huge amount of romance yes. and a big explosion. Yes. And so like, that's, I think what the movie's supposed to be and what it was supposed to be at the time. It's just, we remember it obviously very differently now. Um, so I, you know, it's only a few years later that Affleck has that run of like Jersey Girl, Geely, Paycheck and Reindeer Games, Daredevil, uh, <laughs> and, and surviving Christmas. And like, he just, you know, whatever, it nosedives. So then the Heartnet you've got with, uh, you know, Town and Country, Blow Dry, Here on Earth. And we're going to talk about Hartnett in just a second, Mm -hmm. but I've never seen any of those movies. Neither have I. I haven't even heard of two of them he's only 22 or 23 when he's in this really he's young god damn he's a baby yeah he's very young um <clears throat> and, and so then kate beckinsale the golden bowl broke down palace last days of disco i remember days of disco and i definitely remember broke down Palace. yeah i remember broke down palace that's a big one yeah she i mean her career blew up after this she's yeah, underworld was massive for her and yeah. she's just amazing like she really is she's just she if she were younger she would have been linda carter in the avengers yeah you know what i mean yeah instead she he, ends up being peggy, Car- or peggy, peggy carter peggy, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hayley Atwell, Peggy Carter, right? That's the yes. actress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, she would have been that, I feel like, yeah. if, if this movie was made back in early 2000s. I mean, mm-hmm. if, if Captain America was made in the early 2000s. Totally. So uh, what's really interesting about this, So, the so first thing to talk about, what do you want? Do you and Josh Josh Hart at first? I think we can ask the question. Um, you know, I think it's a reasonable one to ask, which yeah. is you know. So we were just talking about this, but when when this movie came out, we were both thirteen. Mm-hmm. We remember the big stars, the guys who were getting really famous at the time, the guys who already were really famous at the time, uh, and that's like you know when you're thirteen and you're mostly through the lens of you know the movies. The internet was not the same as it is now, no. so we had it was I was the- all about movies that like it was all about movies that people talked about and then just big movies and imdb was like you could you could look on imdb it was a thing that existed you could look up people's careers that's mm-hmm. like the extent of like movie and then you could do, read books and stuff and also like what superstars you starred alongside of totally. you know that was a big part of it too. so we grew up watching tom hanks and tom cruise and denzel and like mm-hmm. those are all the guys that were like massive they had been really big for 10 years um and you know you see hartnett coming up and he's not as big as ben affleck he's kind of an up-and-comer he's a little bit of a nobody when this movie comes out and then he has a few really big years. We were talking about some of the movies, right? Like it's he's massive. So he goes <coughs> Excuse me. So before this, you know, the things that he did that you would have heard of were The Faculty in 98 and The Virgin Suicides in 99. So this comes out in 2001. Immediately after that, he does O, which is, you know, it's a big movie. People like that, you know. Yeah. Othello. It's a big teen movie. He also does in 2001 two shorts, whatever. Black Hawk Down. Huge. Huge. Forty Days and Forty Nights in two thousand two. Hollywood Homicide with Harrison Ford in two thousand three. Wicker Park in four. Sin City in five. Lucky Number Slevin in six. Dal- Black Dahlia in six. That's where I think it falls off, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he does Thirty Days a Night in, in two thousand seven. That maybe that's like the true end of it. Yeah. But like that's Black Dahlia was supposed to be really good. It was, it was unwatchable. Really bad. Yeah. It was really bad um i saw a lot of those movies in theaters i remember thinking at the time he's a he's a movie star he's famous i saw i even saw 40 days or uh uh, 40 days 40 nights i'm pretty sure i like 40 days and 40 nights i love shannon Sossman. yeah i i don't think but see the thing that's crazy about me with josh hartnett is it doesn't feel like he doesn't have the thing that you need it feels like he does have movie star charisma definitely he definitely has the looks for it i actually think he has the talent to do what he would need to do to be that type of guy right yeah i mean the only thing that he's done since all this happened right is that he's in penny dreadful for like a couple years yes and i didn't watch that show but people like that show people like that show. he's (laughs) in over 20 episodes of it i never hear them talk about him in it no but i do hear people like that show so he's he can't be that old if he's 22 23 when he's making this movie and this movie's you know oh one we said it's only 18 years ago i mean josh hartnett's in his early 40s he's like maybe 42 or something like He's in, he's at the age right now in his career that you see a lot of those guys that when we were watching, I just talked about Tom Cruise. Uh huh. In 2001, <clears throat> Tom Cruise was like 42. Dude, uh, I, I just have to say this. He was 42 in 2001, something like these He's around there. I mean, he's basically the age the heart that Hartnett is now. Like, he, Hanks, all those guys that were in their prime then, that's uh-huh. the age he is right now. He could be doing that type of shit. So, there's a, there's someone in the chat here called Wiener Schnitzel. Okay, here we go. And, uh, Wiener's actually making some pretty good points. He said the biggest mistake in his entire career was turning down Batman Begins. Hmm. He was Nolan's first choice for Bruce Wayne and Batman in Begins. Can you imagine what that would have done for his career? Yeah, it's a totally different story. I I mean, Bale wouldn't have even been... I mean, Bale can can continue to do what he did. Like, I, I... Obviously, doing the Dark Knight trilogy put Christian Bale on the map again in the in sense of like being a shoot in a different way. Yeah, but like I still could see him being in the Big Short and Ford versus Ferrari and the Wrestler. You know what I mean? But that that is crazy. Oh, the fighter. fighter. I mean, the fighter. It's crazy for me to think that Josh Hartnett turns down batman yeah i mean some of that is like was it remember when we had john sheck on the show we were talking about people's careers we were talking about how stuff is put together i think we were talking about cage and his run and he said it's it's not as much about necessarily the talent it's about the team you have around you he said those types of runs that you're talking about they are carefully orchestrated by a a manager an agent an an agent like that stuff is being you're being advised on the roles to take the roles you're being offered when you're shooting and when they're coming out that's stuff that you're having those conversations all the time because that stuff is really important. The public makes decisions based on your viability at the box office based on your last movie or two, when they're coming out, who you're in it with. like. And it sounds like Hartnett didn't have a great team around him because what person in their right mind turns down Batman when the previous two movies that the guy directed were Memento and Insomnia? It's not like yeah. Insomnia is a bad movie. No, it's and Memento is very great. Yeah. Like He's a very interesting director. <clears throat> and you've been away from Batman for long enough. And it's a totally different type of story. So that, yeah, that is actually very, very shocking. So uh, the other thing we wanted to do. Well, okay. so the the true question is, can we see him having an A-list resurgence? Well, he does have a movie coming up that we have a weird James Franco directed, like big ensemble cast looking thing. He needs to turn in a tour de force, tour de France, as they say. (laughs) Uh, Nice. He does. He needs to. I think he really needs to stand out in this movie because it seems like a movie that people will watch. Penny Dreadful seemed like the moment that he would have been noticed again. Yeah. And maybe that's what got him this opportunity to be in this uh, uh, James Franco movie. Yeah. But he really needs to stand out or else he's just going to be forgotten about as another generic looking white guy that was really good and had a nice run. I think we can see him. Like, I think there there's a lot of like this. This would be the path I would see if I had to if I had to guess how Josh Hartnett would have the comeback. Josh Hartnett would have to have the uh, he would have to have the like fifth lead small supporting role in a movie that a lot of people saw. So mm-hmm. it would be like. Either it would be like the third lead in some smaller indie, like the Florida Project type of movie that gets a lot of Oscar attention, and he's pretty good in it, or it's that he is the Leo Bibb character in. For- I was just gonna say that he's the. uh That's so funny because I was gonna I was gonna relate it to Ford vs. Ferrari too. I was gonna say that he'd be Leo Bibb makes more sense for his age, but yeah. like being in the movie as much as the uh the older like car mechanic guy. Yeah, that guy. Right. You know, like because that guy stood out a lot to me. Yeah, me too. He he, he just did his job. But he was so good at it. He never tried to stand out too much. I love that. It's all scenes. Yeah. It's good, good directing. And that's how you, that's like, it's like a two, three step process. Because Josh Hartnett's just not being looked at by directors right now to be in the kind of roles that he can lead in. He needs to have a couple supportings and then maybe he gets cast as the second lead in something big. But I think it's a couple year process. He would have to put in some real work. Because, like. Yeah, Yash just said he needs to have his Nightcrawler. Once. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's always but that like, also comes after doing years of work like you said like prisoners he needs to have his prisoners and and again like it's it's always with 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 people like this what happens with like the hamster wheel of Hollywood is like you're running on it you're running on it you're running on it like once you fall off that like A B list hamster wheel it's pretty hard to get back on mm-hmm. especially if you're a guy like him in his 40s he'll have a better shot than he would have had in his like early 30s cuz like when you're no longer the hot new flavor you have to kind of crawl back by doing some interesting stuff and that's a little mm-hmm. bit of like we talk about how ridiculous Nick Cage is. It's like what McConaughey did. Yes. You know? And we talk about how ridiculous Nick Cage is, you know. He is ridiculous. But the thing about Nick Cage is that he constantly is taking weird roles. He's constantly doing strange movies and weird projects. Well, or Godfather Part Two on this right, one. Yeah. <laughs> right? Or he does he does uh he's in Spider-Verse as noir Spider-Man is such a good yeah. example of the kind of weird shit he does to stay on people's radar where you're like Literally, Nick Cage tomorrow could be offered the lead in a major director's movie. 100%. He could get nominated for Best Actor, and everybody in the world, once again, would be like, he never fell off the hamster wheel. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. No one would be surprised that it happened. Feels like he's been out of the mainstream, really, for 10 years, but, like, that's the difference, is that Hart never was that guy, and so we don't know if he has the chops. Nick Cage obviously has the chops. Mm -hmm. So, I, I think that's kind of the question, is it just, he'd have to be at it and orchestrate the right run. A two-three-step, two-three-movie process. Maybe a maybe a premium HBO-style show he's really good <clears throat> in or something. So then, if you talk about having the chops, let's just get on to the other one, the other conversation we're going to have, which is overly sieged, underly siege, properly siege on Alec Baldwin, who has had an incredibly unique career. I mean, that's kind of the word that the hot-button word of the day when you talk about Alec Baldwin's career is it's incredibly unique. And we'll probably just skip over production development today, even though there's some interesting stuff. But we are getting towards the end of the show, and I do want to finish this conversation. So... i think personally that alec baldwin is properly rated i think the amount of attention that he's gotten in the later half of his career now you got to remember this guy was a superstar in the 80s right like late 80s early 90s alec baldwin is the guy you talk about josh hartnett and ben affleck in the early 2000s baldwin had that face and then it kind of tapered off and fell off, as a lot of these guys do. But then you talk about his comedy resurgence. I mean, yeah, everyone says SNL and his, him playing Trump is really what was huge. But it was 30 Rock. 30 Rock. 30 Rock is what came out. And it was like, oh, my God. This guy is amazing. He He's amazing. So He's hilarious. He's winning Emmys. Like, he is so freaking talented. That was the moment that it felt like, okay, so now Alec Baldwin, and now you know he just had his roast, so he's gone onto this level of becoming like a Chuck Norris, you know, like becoming just like a, a icon. I think that he he should, he's not underrated because he's not like he needs more work, yeah, and he's not overrated because he's great. He really is great, and I love what he does, and I like seeing him pop up in movies like Motherless Brooklyn just to see that he's still trying to do it as an actor. Not just doing like the, the the comedy thing. Not saying that comedy isn't acting, but I think you guys know what I'm trying to say. Um, I think he's properly rated. He's not. It's not like people are overcasting him or undercasting him. Yeah, I'm trying to think where exactly the the drop off happens. Like where he just goes from being exactly what we're talking about to like the next phase of his career, and it feels like it's sometime right around this movie. Honestly, like looking at it and remembering him in Notting hill he's the asshole boyfriend to julia roberts character in, and he's sh- in Notting hill oh yeah and he shows yep. up in the hotel room and he's playing an asshole movie star yep that is what he's doing right it was almost like the worst possible look like he he's a prick he cheats on his on his girlfriend in the movie like, yeah he's just he's just really bad to her he's kind of just playing alec baldwin right and like it, it's funny like it it's a little bit of a portal into then what immediately happened Too he, like, meta he stops being like likable alec baldwin he kind of starts being kind of at alec baldwin yeah. and like and uh but yeah i think if i'm answering the question i actually i go underrated because the more i've sort of thought about baldwin's career over the years the more i've paid attention most of that older stuff that you look at like again in retrospect some of it seems really big a lot less of those movies seem like big deals now than they seem like probably then yeah there's only a few that are really significant like he's in he's in beetlejuice mm-hmm. he's in glengarry He's in Hunt for Red October. He's in Working Girl. It's like the late 80s, he's like in some pretty big stuff. But a lot of the other stuff, like the getaway or like Miami Blues, like those aren't really big movies. They were just like dramas at the time that people cared about. People don't care about him now. But he's always had the opportunity to be in like major movies. I mean, like, you don't just get put in a Scorsese movie just because. Right. You know? And that's I mean, so what he does in The Departed is a great example of why i think he's so underrated it's like that he, he has that whole he has some comedy you, you, you don't smoke you, you smoke yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I love that scene is that like people don't trust a guy with an immaculate record That's i have immaculate. Have an immaculate record. Yeah. Like, he just has his comic timing so dialed in in a way that i think most guys that are as he's so dynamic in drama and he's so dynamic in comedy right name name me a guy that can be a sex icon can be that kind of masculine in glengarry can poke fun at himself the way that he does in the second half of his career there is almost no one in history I can think of that is Val Kilmer incredible <laughs> incredible yeah and and he was masculine <clears throat> he had the same kind of masculinity he was really good but like Baldwin was, and he also got Boss Baby you know that's yeah. huge yeah so he's I mean he's He's making so much money and getting cast in so much stuff, and Boss Baby has a sequel, right? I think Alec Baldwin's a list again. He's definitely a list. Fully a list. He's one hundred percent a list. Well, that's you know? what I'm saying. Is like, there's these people that kind of transcend the list because of who they are, you know? And like, Willie Nelson is a guy that's not a list, but he's a list. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah, right. Because of who Willie Nelson is. Yeah, it's weird. So I, I, I would say under <clears throat> under siege is the how I feel about Baldwin because okay. I think he doesn't get enough credit for the fact that like he literally is as famous now as the out-of-shape, older, poke-fun-at-himself guy as he was when he was straight-up A-list sex icon leading movies guy. Yeah. And, like, that's not something you see very often. Most of those guys who were, like, the sex icon dramatic lead in the late 80s and the 90s, if they put on a lot of weight and they they stop being that guy, they do not, they do not become... They become, like, a very, very deep supporting character in some ensemble movie. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's Kevin Costner and he's the... He's the guy in, in, in Hidden Figures that's, like, championing for the women, right? But he's, like, the sixth or seventh lead in the movie. That's the kind of role that those guys get. Right. And, like, feels like Baldwin is so much more significant at this age than you would expect him to be. So... So now that we're it's just getting past 2 o'clock here, so we're going to just talk really, really quickly through a few things. And uh, if you want to read about production development, you really should on this movie. It's pretty fascinating. Anytime that you have a movie that's this historically accurate with that massive scale of the ships and the aircrafts, it all has to be okay through the U.S. government. So go and read a bit about that. The executive of Disney at the time, Dick Cook, said that there were so many budgetary fights with Bay that Bay would walk on several occasions. And he said that, I think Pearl Harbor was one of the most difficult shoots of modern in history so pretty interesting to hear about that it cost 140 million dollars to make as we just said it was produced by disney it opened on a three-day weekend in may a three-day memorial day weekend in may 25th 2001 grossed 198 million dollars domestic 250 worldwide for a grand total of just under half a billion dollars and it made 75 million dollars its opening weekend it's actually kind of astounding that they decided to release this as a summer blockbuster and they didn't wait to release this the weekend of december 7th as like Mm. Maybe he just knew it was so historically he incorrect knew, yeah. that he didn't want to try to immortalize it as like, but yeah, that's 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 kind of crazy. Um, yeah, th- <clears throat> I mean, it's funny. This movie has a six point two on IMDb and a sixty six percent by audience. That's remarkably high. Yeah, for, I mean, for the, a movie this is hated as much as this movie. The critics give it a twenty four, which makes more sense. But yeah, the six two and the six six are, are pretty shocking. Um, favorite line? Do you want us to sneak one in? I just, you I gotta say the guy. The guy looks up at Rafe <laughs> and Danny, and he says. Those are some smooth aces. Those are some smooth aces. I just don't really know how that's a real line that happened in this movie. I, it's like such a ridiculous thing to say. And it's also just like the whole entire first 10 minutes of this movie has all of the elements of Top Gun. It has the campy lines. It has the latent homosexuality. Yep. And it has the hotshot pilots. It's like literally he was like, I'm going to just do 10 minutes of Top Gun to start Pearl Harbor. Yep. That's what it feels like. And that line is like, who talks like that? Like yeah, no one does. <laughs> that guy, that guy, the like, guy in this Michael Bay movie. That'd be like you and I hanging out with our buddies, and like we all like are at the bar, and like two of our buddies go like walk to the bar, like get us drinks, and I'm and I look at you and I'm like, God, those guys are just so confident and handsome. <laughs> Damn, Marshall's really been working out. <laughs> yeah, it's like I guess you could say it, but like I don't know why why, it why talks would that you, way okay? about their friends. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah, all right, Ben. Like uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a great line. Uh I've got a couple. There was one I actually really loved um was attack from japan imminent they're only an hour late like yeah. it, it was the idea of like what could happen in an hour yeah how much shit could go wrong in one hour i love that uh there's also the great the the great rom the romance line loving me kept you loving you kept me alive yeah which affleck says and then of course when baldwin's talking to, to affleck and Hartnett about the secret mission he goes yes sir it's the type of mission where you get medals but they sent him to your relatives. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, ah, yeah, people are going to die. Baldwin <laughs> uh, has so many, he's like, the uh, The Navy wants me to sit this one out. They say I'm too valuable. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, yeah. Also, is Tom Sizemore just in every war movie ever? Probably, yeah. I think he just is. Yeah. He's just like an angry sergeant. Get these things on the left, ladies. we going to find the shotgun at an airplane. <laughs> like, exactly. <laughs> uh okay so uh there's three action movie categories totally ridiculous totally legitimate and ridiculously legitimate the categories explain themselves ben what do you think it's totally ridiculous i mean i mean there's there's an hour of this movie that i could argue is not but there's two hours of this movie that is and the fact this movie is three hours and four minutes is offensive so it's definitely totally ridiculous yeah uh jarvie just wrote uh pride of the pacific who are you tears the skies i actually like that line too (laughs) even though it's it's really early on uh also baldwin's whole speech that he gives about like when when the guy's like what what do you do if you get captured yeah he's like well i can't answer that question for you but i'll tell you what i would do and he gives this whole thing about i wasn't made to be captured i would pick the best military target i could and i'd find my fly my plane right into it and he's like well, that's, that's just what me. I would do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's just me. It's uh, uh, pretty sweet. I love that Ryan just wrote, don't tell me it can't be done. Don't tell me Talking it about FDR, you guys need to read about... <laughs> freaking Donald Roosevelt and how much he concealed his his disability and how he would never have ever done that and how disrespectful it was that they used that in a movie but that's neither here nor there there's only one thing left to cover on the show yes and it is called the pitch and this is sweet we're covering Ford Ferrari yeah we're uh, doing it we've covered Rush we've covered Warrior it's a sports movie it feels like it has a lot of elements of an action movie. It's great. Go see it this weekend in theaters, guys. I cannot say enough yeah, good you things about it. Guys, gotta go watch it. it was, we're gonna go see it again, right? I, I'm gonna watch it again. And and you talk about being able to like, for some reason, with this movie and with Knives Out, I just felt like a, a normal dude sitting in the theater, just kind of getting blown away. Yeah, me too. You know? I love that. I could not. I could not say enough good things about it. So. Uh, we're going to go about one to two minutes long here just because I do want to talk about the action face-off. Mm-hmm. It feels really important. I want to make sure everybody knows what's going on with this. Drew and I have a Patreon. It's called patreon.com slash team action. And we have a new show we're doing starting next Sunday. It's going to be every single Sunday. Yep. We'll probably miss some weeks for the holidays, but we are going to be trying to do this every Sunday. And it's a debate show. It's a, it is a debate-style show where we are talking about the best all-time things. And it's going to be four patrons debating against one of us with the other of us judging the show. It's a Google Hangouts show. Um, it only is going to be patrons competing against us. Uh, there'll be three patrons at the captain and above level. You can go and check out those levels at patreon.com. It's the, the basically the third highest, second highest, and highest tiers available in the Action Army. We'll be the three of the five people picked. Um, and uh, one random patron at any level. We're going to select you. And this next week, it's going to be top ten comedies of the 90s nope. on the Action Guys. Uh, yes, okay. So the argument is, <laughs> what is the best? What is the best comedy of the 90s? You're going to be arguing for yours, so if you want to compete in this, we've already got a bunch of submissions, but send them in now. We haven't started picking. Send in two choices, your top two comedies of the 90s you'd want to argue for. Make sure you're a patron at patreon.com slash teamaction. Send your emails to actionindustriesbrand at gmail.com with the subject line, top comedy. And uh, any any subject line that makes us know what you're talking about. Um, and uh, and pitch your top two options with two sentences about why you want to do it. And we will let you guys know by next weekend if you were part of it. You're going to be fighting mm-hmm. against Drew. Drew is going to be fighting. Bring it on. Uh, we, I love 90s comedies. We did the first one last Sunday. I argued for the best Jack Nicholson role. I lost in the finals. It was super fun. Um, the show is great. We've already had a bunch of the action generals and captains on the show. So go cast your votes. Um, once again, actionindustriesbrand at gmail.com. Guys, Thanks for watching. We're going to have a quick shout-out to a few people before we wrap the show. Yeah, we've got our generals here, so we're going to go first with the five-star generals, the inaugural five-star general. Brian Chandler, Jeremiah Morris, Mac Ryan, John Getz, Jake Yacoveta, Lucas Shashek, Alex Shashek, Kyle Grandinetti, and, of course, Paul DeNizio. A big-time shout-out and salute to you, five-star generals. But! We've also got our amazing Generals of the Action Army, Andrew Hayes, Billy Belford, John Patterson, Kelsey Kirkland, Nick Gilmore, Cody Seal, Kyle Hilbert, Tamir Buddha, AJ Lancaster, Sari Laman Maki, and Danny Joyce as the final General. So big salute to you as well. Thank you guys so much. Check out patreon.com slash teamaction. Join us in the action faceoff. I'm going to ruin you. I'm going to ruin you in debate. Fight against true guys. It's going to be a good time. Good time. All right, guys. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. Not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.